You're listening to ZZ Talk, a father-son generational podcast where we talk about entertainment, culture, and a variety of other subjects from the perspectives of both Gen Z and Gen X. I'm Noah. I'm Greg. And this is ZZ Talk. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. So today we are coming back with another movie review, as promised, now that we are out of the whole TV series thing for the time being. We have learned our lesson. Um, We are reviewing Barbarian today, and this came out in September. It's a horror movie that has quickly uh, grown as, I'd say, an audience favorite in many people's eyes for 2022. Um, I mean, on Rotten Tomatoes, this has a very, very good rating. Uh, 92%. 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. I think there's a 70% audience score, so slightly divided. But on IMDb, it has, I believe, a 7.6 or 7.7 user score. And that's really good. Uh, That is really good for IMDb. So uh, obviously, a lot of people are liking this, but it does seem like there is some division. So I'm interested to hear if uh, you can agree with either side of that. So uh, let's get into uh, what you thought of Barbarian or at least going into it. Well, first, why don't you provide our listeners with a summary? Sure. Um, This one's going to be a little bit difficult because if you've seen the trailer, that's as much as I want to give. Essentially, two people get double booked at an Airbnb house in a little bit of a rundown neighborhood. A little bit. Yes, there's uh, one woman and there's one man. And of course... They don't know each other. So it's an awkward mix up. And uh, essentially, she has to stay for the night at the place. And the man who is Bill Skarsgård, who plays Pennywise the Clown in the It movie franchise, obviously, you know, doesn't seem like the most inviting guy. But you know what, maybe he could be all right. So essentially, that's where the trailer leaves us. And it might sound like a pretty paper thin explanation, but we're going to dive into that during the spoiler territory. But um, I do want to talk at a sort of a higher level of what we thought of the movie and sort of our experience with it. So I'd like to know what you think. Um, well, first, I want to say that uh, there are a couple things that I think this movie has going for it is one, it is not exactly what you think it is based on what you just described. And I always appreciate a film that you make assumptions about, and then it's quite different. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I would say this is completely different, but I would say it's different enough. Um, the second thing I would say is um, I like the film we talked about last week, Smile. I think one of the assets of this film is the performance of the lead protagonist. Mm-hmm. In this case, I don't know her name, but I thought she was quite strong and made for a plausible um, uh, main character. Uh, so there's that. I also like the fact that this film is shorter than Smile. So mm-hmm. what do you think I thought of this film, Noah? Um, I bet you saw some wild stuff in it and you were not a fan of it walking out. Um. <clears throat> I have to say that this was the most ridiculous movie I have ever seen in my life. It really? Was so woefully disappointing. It was not one bit scary at all. There was one jump scare, and I think Smile is far superior to well, Barbarian. Well, How's that for a review? All right. Well, you know, it's always good to get some division here, too, <laughs> because I'll be transparent as well. 
Grace, myself, and uh, my friend Aaron walked out of the movie theater and we thought to ourselves, well, um, that wasn't very good. We were kind of just scratching our heads walking out because it is a wild film for sure. And uh, a buddy of mine, Griffin, uh, called me just the other day and said, I just saw Barbarian and I want to talk to you about it because I'd actually recommended it to him a few, uh, probably a couple weeks after I'd seen it because I'll say, didn't love this movie walking out. But in retrospect and reading some analyses, I do appreciate it a lot more. And I thought it was better, uh, certainly, than I did when I had initially finished it. I, I will say I, I it is multi-layered. And mm -hmm. I think at face value, you don't immediately understand the additional layers beyond what you are watching. Um, I think fundamentally what we come to uh, learn or reflect on is that uh, is it Justin Long, the the character who shows up in the second half of the film? Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. Let's make sure. Oh. Okay. Uh, sorry. 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 Level. Yeah. Yeah. In the way, and I don't think that's a spoiler or anything like that. Uh, we're not getting into spoiler territory yet, but uh, there are some surprises that happen along the way, and um, there is subtext to this film. There is that I think is actually pretty fascinating and a good sort of reminder to uh, audiences because in horror movies you used to not learn anything, right? It used to be just a slasher film, just kind of a gore-filled frenzy. And it was just kind of like, okay, you know, that happened, it's whatever, it's a horror movie. Nowadays, there's a little bit something, there's a little bit more to be gleaned from every horror movie we watch. Yeah, which I appreciate. Yeah, because it adds a little bit more substance to the things mm -hmm. that we see. Overall, I think what people now realize is a mixture of what can happen in real life with some sort of supernatural or far-fetched elements actually does create a more maybe psychologically sinister or scary experience. But I think nowadays, if you just see a monster or just a slasher, people think that's kind of lame. However, Halloween Ends just came out and um, I did see- That's next week's. That is next week's? Okay. <laughs> wow. Oh, I think, it, I think it's streaming on Peacock right now. So is, I don't buy- to watch it. Yeah. Yeah, I bought a ticket not knowing that. Um, same thing with Barbarian. It is streaming on October 25th on HBO Max. Yes, and I will not be watching it again. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think that's the interesting thing about this film, somewhat in retrospect, is that there it is multi-layered. I mean, ultimately, and by the way, we're in spoiler territory, y'all. So if you're listening and you want to see this film, uh, I don't recommend it. But if you want to see it, just know that we're going to talk about what we observed so the multi-layer, I think, fundamentally is that Justin Long is, uh, and I don't know how I know Justin Long, but the character who who enters sort of midway through the film is essentially um, a casting agent or an actor or something in, in, in Hollywood. And uh, he's been accused of um, some horrific, uh, a, a horrific crime. And, um, and uh, so I think the subtext is that this is a horrible human being or a vapid human being and that we are um, led to weigh how shallow a person this is with in the context of what happens in this house beneath it in the catacombs of yeah there's a comparison <laughs> there's a comparison here that i think um again is intended but you don't observe immediately you have to reflect on the film first exactly and so i think you have it at least on a surface level and i'd like to dive a little bit more into that i think the overall subtext of the movie is how 
men and women approach situations and how that actually looks different. For example, uh, Keith, who is played by Bill Skarsgård, uh, is totally fine with letting somebody in in the middle of the night. He doesn't see a problem because he has no reason to be scared. Now, Tess, the main character, is obviously very wary of this person. And as a woman with this male-female dynamic sort of coming into the middle of the night with a stranger she doesn't know, she's obviously very guarded in the beginning. And you can tell their relationship does develop into something positive, but he is trying to play the guy as like, I'm not scary. Like, you know, he's not scared, but she's feeling him out and she's still very unsure of it. You also see that Keith goes and checks out the basement and then goes further and further and further without really any real hesitation. And I think generally speaking, you can see that contrast with Tess's character because she said, nope, as soon as she saw that one door open and she did explore a little bit, but overall she was much more cautious than Keith going in. And I think the dynamic here is men often see situations through one lens while women have to approach situations in another way. And I think adding to this horror context, that's what got Keith killed because he kind of went in headfirst and Tess was more sort of curious and cautious um, while still being scared. But at the same time, I think that kind of plays into the second act as well, because Justin Long's character, AJ, he's the Hollywood everyman, right? You know, he's famous, like he's, you know, had a lot of roles in Hollywood, but at the same time, he's this archetype of fraternal sort of boys club vibes when it comes to the things he's talking about he immediately is shocked by these allegations that have been levied against him and were not really led to believe uh one way or the other whether he did it or not but then he goes to the bar it. It, yeah then he goes to the bar and spills his uh, spills the beans to one of his friends and it turns out that he's just one of those delusional guys who really can't take accountability for his actions and it's the difference between you know, he's saying, oh, you know what, she was saying this, like, you know, she was lying, you know, when he's talking to his parents or something like that over the phone. Um, it, it's, it's very interesting to see how men just sort of dive head first into some sort of things. While I guess this movie is saying that this is, these are just within gender disparities. These are the types of things we have to contend with. Does that make sense? It, it does. But I, I disagree with part of what you're saying, because I'm here to tell you that you're an idiot if you go down in that basement whether you're a male or a female. You're just That's true. I but mean, we are used to horror movie characters being. And why idiots. does the door close? Why does the door automatically close? I mean, because it's a horror movie. I said to your mom, why is the door closing? For I dramatic mean, effects. But I actually did kind of enjoy how some of these characters found the basement and the way they acted. Because, I mean, at least two out of the three were really freaked out, right? I mean, Justin Long's character, there was this whole sort of comedy bit of him. Well, preparing. yeah. And that was what, honestly, Luke, your brother, thought was hilarious about this film. Uh, and there were there were some amusing moments. To me, the only jump scare was the tape measure getting pulled. The only one. I mean, I just really? kept waiting for this film to get scary. And the whole time, I just thought, this is ridiculous. Yeah, and you know, I think to an, I think to an extent, this movie was supposed to be more creepy than downright terrifying. But ultimately, it did a good job, in my opinion, of balancing ridiculous themes and sub uh, like ridiculous themes while you know having kind of socially topical subject matter as the greater theme of the movie but it was also a dark comedy in many ways i mean yeah. right you see this decrepit basement in this house that you own after double booking people carelessly just to get money and then your first thought is oh 
does this count as extra square footage? Like, you know, could this actually raise the value of my, you know, of my place as I'm selling my assets? Like there's something so stupid about that. Right. And I think that kind of plays into how the characters are. And horror but there's movies? so much of it that didn't make a whole lot of sense. For example, well, yeah. the, the lead the lead character, when she goes to her job interview and then she tells the person with whom she's interviewed where she's staying and the interviewer says, be careful. I mean, so obviously there's something going on in this neighborhood, in this house, or certainly within the neighborhood. And you know that because basically all the houses around this house are are, are burned down or, or just overrun. And so... It just, it was illogical in that she just said, be careful, because clearly the word on the street, no pun intended, was that something is awry in this neighborhood. It just didn't, it didn't add up to me. I know what you're saying, but I think obviously the neighborhood is in a pretty rough part of town that was once maybe in the 60s or 70s, a place where people actually wanted to live. But over time, with, um, I guess, economic disparities and just maybe businesses moving out of the region. I think they even hinted at uh, a lot of people were starting to move and, uh, you know, some people were staying, but the town essentially was going to heck, basically. So yes. I, I think I think basically that was known in present times. And the woman was saying, oh, be careful. You know, that's just not a good part of town, at least in this current part of time. So yes. I yeah, I mean, semantics aside and whatnot, of course, there is some very ridiculous decisions that are made in this movie. Um, but I I thought what was most interesting was how AJ, Justin Long's character, pushes Tess off the water tower. And she not only survives, but... Um, she lands on top of the creature mm-hmm. who, by the way, went after Tess. Yeah, absolutely. And this movie definitely has a lot of shades of don't breathe. And I think lights out, which are from the past five, six, seven years. Um, So I mean, I think it wears some of its influences on its sleeve. But ultimately, while it is a weird movie that I, it's hard, for me, it was just hard to say I was enjoying what I was watching the entire time. I think I can appreciate just the greater themes behind the film and some of the story that it told more so than what was actually happening on the screen, because you're not really supposed to like AJ and he takes up a big no. chunk of the movie he, but I think it also just shows how flimsy he is as a person it might be a statement on Hollywood types and the archetype of just those kinds of guys who are just the worst but they don't take account overly confident anything. yeah overly confident arrogant uh, a Harvey Weinstein sort of thing yeah I think it was sort of like a light nod to something along those lines as well and I mean granted your interpretation of how it was told maybe oh that was great or oh that was just dumb but overall i think that coming from the movie it took me a few days grace and i were talking about it afterwards i definitely appreciate it more now i don't think it's the best horror movie i've ever seen but it's one of the better ones that i've seen this year alone especially after having watched um halloween ends so <laughs> i i i, I appreciate you that said that this was one of the two best movies you've seen in 2022 Uh, i said one of the two best horror movies because i've seen a lot of horror movies in 2022 and they have not been good i mean i saw pearl i mean i would give that a one or a two not good at all um halloween ends i don't want to spoil my opinion i don't want to i don't want to spoil my opinion on that but um yeah and then i saw one or two others and they're that forgettable now smile was excellent to me and that really stood out but i thought barbarian was interesting enough to warrant uh recommendation to people who might be interested because 
you get a lot more than you're initially given in the trailer. And at the end of the day, I can really appreciate that. I do want to be surprised. And there's an element of movies these days where you and I kind of like predicting things. We're like, oh, this is going to happen or, oh, you know, whatever is going to, you know, go down. I appreciated that there was just a complete tonal and I guess directing shift in half of the movie after that shocking scene when Keith died. So it does something different, whether or not it landed for some audiences, in my opinion. I mean, I won't blame you for not liking the movie, but it's it's something that I have to give credit for. And that doesn't make a great film, but I do think that after a lot of time and just thinking on it, it's one of the better made horror movies that I've seen this year so far. And I think it's worth at least some of the hype that it's getting. I, I understand what you're saying. I, I don't necessarily agree with it, but I, I get where you're coming from. I, you know, I think I went into this because you had told me it's not what you think it is. I expected this to take the turn that was so completely out of left field. The, the turn that the cabin in the woods did oh, you know no. how I feel about that film. Well, this film did not take that dramatic a turn. And I think that was a little disappointing. Talk, Noah, about The Creature. So The Creature is this uh, gangly... Uh, we I've seen this creature multiple times. It's a long-haired, decrepit, uh, run-down old woman who is incredibly pale from only being able to go out at night and has been held captive by this super creepy dude that lived in the house and is now wasting away in the basement. Um Obviously, for graphic reasons, this guy has captured a lot of uh, women, and um, basically, one this creature is a product of his nefarious doings in the basement. And um, I mean, basically, this creature. I, I turned to I think Grace during the movie, or maybe Aaron. And I said, "So, what are the rules here?" Because um... <laughs> I like it when you ask that question, because often there are no rules. It's well, whatever keeps the plot going. Well, we know the creature kind of goes around and skulks around at night in the house. And then I found out that the creature actually, um, you know, sort of goes into the neighborhood and the homeless man knows all about it. And he gives a little bit of an exposition dump on Tess after she believes that she killed the main creature. And of course, we know it wasn't going to die after uh, of course run over so. by the car. But um, I was just thinking to myself, this thing has lived on such little sustenance and, you know, I guess sunlight how how could it be fast or strong in this sort of sense I mean it literally rips this one guy's arm off I mean it's clawing at people I mean it's it's a very dangerous creature but I figured after <laughs> I figured after it fell off a water tower it would be completely destroyed oh no but not no. for dramatic purposes and we've seen that before in horror movies what about I you what do you think well I just thought you know when so first of all Tess gets shot mm. And you knew Justin Long's character was going to shoot her. Mm -hmm. um, and she gets shot and, and she's in bad shape. But she not only manages to get upstairs into this house, but out of the house and runs all the way down the street to the water tower. Yeah, and she and gets thrown off it. And she makes it all the way up the water tower. Mm -hmm. And she gets thrown off the water tower, lands on top of the creature that is is sort of a maternal figure, right? Mm -hmm. You know? Um, and so apparently this creature wants to have a baby. And so she's seeing her victims as babies mm -hmm. and she lands on top, Tess lands on top of the, the creature and they both seem to be dead. And we, we both know that they're not. Mm -hmm. And so AJ goes over 
because he ha- he cares for Tess and checks on Tess and she starts moving. And then, of course, we know the creature is going to start moving. And then Tess manages to run all the way back down the street. Meanwhile, she was shot 15 minutes earlier. I like calling that not gonna make it. I like calling that the John Wick or Mission Impossible syndrome or trope, may I say? Um, thank you. Thank you. You know, somebody will get stabbed or somebody will get shot in like honestly a pretty tender place. And they're, you know, they're clutching their side for a bit. But when the plot calls for you to, you know, have some real action that kind of goes by the wayside, even though they haven't extracted the bullet or, you know, done anything else to heal themselves. That happens all the time. And I mean, it's- And I realize that this film is, you know, I I have to suspend reality in general, but, you know, if I have to suspend some reality, I can, it it can work for me. If I have to suspend all reality, I start to think, why am I watching this? So at the, remind me how the, how the creature, what happens to the creature at the end? I don't even remember. Okay, so you just watched it, right? I just saw it Friday night. Okay, so I'll say this. I went to a movie on Friday night in a theater <laughs> with your mom. Well, thank Friday you night. for doing that. Um, well, first of all, the creature uh, gouges uh, AJ's eyes out. Oh, and, yeah, that's right. Which was pretty cool, honestly. It was pretty cool. I, I like that. And then the creature is very weak, I believe, after being shot by Tess. And then Tess uh, executes the creature uh, by finishing it off after, you know, it's basically reaching out to her. Um, So essentially it just dies on the street and, um, you know, Tess just starts walking and the day starts coming on and uh, the movie kind of ends there. Now, I did like the end. I have to say it, it sort of ended slightly abruptly and I thought that was effective. Okay, well, okay, now... Now that we've sort of talked about the movie and answered some questions, you're you're speaking to a lot of things that you don't like in horror movies and some of the aspects that you did like about this movie in particular. What in your mind can you not stand in a horror movie and what in your mind makes a horror movie really good for you personally? Because sometimes I feel like I can't really predict what you're going to think of the movies we watch. And you want to predict the movies I watch? No, I'm just saying, you know, you're always saying, what do you think I thought of the movie? And I feel like I kind of get it slightly off because it's just hard. It's hard to know if you're going to like. Yeah. Well, when it comes to scary movies, I want to be scared. Yeah. And, you know, I don't like I don't like um, uh, brutality. I I like jump scares and this had none or Mm -hmm. one, as I said. Um, I, I just think I like a film that goes somewhere I have not seen a film go before. And, you know, after 54 years, I've pretty much seen films go to a lot of the same places. So I think we're almost out of places for films to go. That movie that you and I watched last year on HBO Max and we reviewed it for the pod. Malignant. Malignant. In hindsight, that gave us something new. Something a little different. And it I did, but it tricked that. us in the beginning. Remember how by the numbers it, it was? It did. Now, you asked me what I don't like. I don't like predictability. I don't like it when people don't turn the lights on. I don't like doors that close automatically. I don't like all the horror movie tropes. You're welcome. I just think that if we're going to do something fresh, we should do something fresh. And there's very little new under the sun. Okay, sure. Now you are a tenured movie viewer, and um, I'm—I would say I'm experienced, but not nearly on. Your I don't know, Noah. Part. You, I think you've seen more movies than I have. Uh, perhaps. We're, I, I'm not years, sure, but you—you've been able. 
you've been able the, the special thing about like what you've been able to do as a film lover is see the inception of blockbusters and major franchises from their start and also just see how they progress over time and you've seen sequelitis you've seen how these franchises just get run into the ground so yes you have seen so much of just kind of how most films go and i think in a in a lot of ways what you're saying is true you do want to be genuinely surprised but i also sometimes look at movies through the lens of myself and yourself because we watch all different types right the average person at least from what i know from what they've talked about with their favorite movies they watch basically you know the two or three biggest movies of the year we'll go to the theater or at least I'll go to the theater 10 or 15 times in a year, if not more, you'll watch a bunch of different movies, at least from home. But most people are not looking for the things that we're looking for. So sometimes I feel like it's a good thing to realize that a movie might be different for just a general audience member. And that's a special thing too, because we see so much that it might actually be to our detriment that we're allowing us allowing ourselves to be surprised much less. But I think also just in terms of this podcast, we got to soak in as much as we can. But to what you were saying, obviously you've seen a ton of movies from Jaws to Poltergeist to uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind to, I mean, you know, just modern ones. And what I think you like in a horror movie is something not too extreme, but not stupid. So you like the PG-13 jump scare heavy horror is what I'm hearing, at least. Something like The Conjuring or Insidious. No, I don't like The Conjuring. Right, but I'm saying the formula of what you like is non, it's, it's, it's non-brutal. It can I don't be, want brutal. It can I don't be like scary. brutality, no. It can be scary and creepy, but um, without pushing the limits too hard into that gross territory. But I also think you don't want something that's like, you know goosebumps right no so i mean it, all in all i think you have enjoyed both the r rated and pg-13 horror but i think t- what you like you like more psychological instead of just supernatural you like a cool monster every once in a while i do like a cool monster obviously you like to the suggestive aspect of horror movies rather than this thing popping out at you you like how you like you know quick successive jump scares but you don't want to see you don't want to see the movie devolve into fighting the monster or seeing the creature for the last third of the movie. You want no. something that's entirely suggestive the entire time. Yeah. I did also start to think that we were starting to see this monster a whole lot. And I just thought, eh, you know, the more you see something, the less interesting it becomes. Yeah, certainly. And I mean, once again, I'm just going back to my shell for Alien, uh, 1979. Mm-hmm. You saw the Alien a good bit, especially... Um, you know, towards the end of the movie, but it did just enough to where the first 60 or 70% of the movie, you're catching the smallest glimpses. And I think that's what makes it so effective. And yeah. ultimately, I think that's the blueprint for a lot of sci-fi, sci-fi horror, and just many of the horror movies we experience today. But in a lot of ways, I agree with you. It hasn't been replicated, but you also have to remember that people need action and attention grabbing sequences these days. And oftentimes, you know, they're going to want to see that monster more. People don't like ambiguity yeah. as much because that probably, is, I don't think the type of movies that you love in the horror genre are the ones that are the best bets for studios. Right. Uh-huh. I, I will say, uh, and, and we have to have time for our check it out, but I will say I was listening to something today, uh, maybe a, a different podcast. Uh, and there was a, there was some conversation about how um, 
movies that were scary to, in this case, Gen X, when we were growing up, are not scary to us today, and maybe not as scary to the the viewer, uh, who uh, the consumer of the new consumer of these movies. I'll give you an example: um, The Exorcist. The first time I saw The Exorcist, or the snippets of, or the you know the the pieces of The Exorcist that I saw, I was really scared, but I was also twelve. You know, when I saw the the cover of the book Carrie, I was really scared. Um, so those are a couple of examples. There's a film that I have long said to you you should watch, and it's Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, I still need to. I still need to see it. And I watched it maybe 25 years ago for the first time, and I was really taken with it because one, I was home alone. Two, I was watching it at night, and three, you don't see the baby. I don't think I, you see the baby at all. And that, you know, less is more. And that's what made it that much more interesting to me. And frankly, eerie, because you don't, you, it's all in your imagination. It's like reading a book. Okay. So. Okay. From your description, I've been hearing a lot of great things about this movie called The Great, not The Gray Man, The Empty Man. And this received very little marketing love from the studio. It was kind of one of those movies last year that was sort of sent to die by the studio. Uh, very little fanfare, anything like that. But it's gained a real cult following, and uh, a couple of my favorite movie reviewers have greatly enjoyed it. So I think it's streaming on one of the services, and we can talk about it after, but uh, we'll go in to check it out soon. But I think that should be a watch for us this October. Okay. Well, cool. we've got two more weeks, so we'll make that one of them, and we know that Halloween ends is next week. Um, with that said, Noah, how many Zs would you give Barbarian? Barbarian, uh, I would give it, I would say three and a half Zs. Okay, I'm giving it one Z. Um, it was just woefully disappointing to me. Okay, a two. I didn't. I didn't hate it. I just was waiting for something scary to happen. Okay. Okay. All right. I understand that. All right. So let's move on into check it out. I'll go first. Sorry. Um, because I know you have one lined up. So Grace and I uh, watched another movie last night, and that is Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Now you might be saying, Noah, why are you recommending this? Everybody in the world has seen the movie or read the book. And I'm saying you should watch it again because it might have been a while, and this is the perfect fall changing of the seasons movie. Grace said something awesome while we were watching it yesterday, and she described it as just a cozy film. And I, and I was just thinking to myself, you know what? That's exactly what it is. It's magical it's very you know it's it's very warm and inviting it's a perfectly accessible movie by noted director uh director chris columbus who's done quite a few great movies um i i just think i just think this movie is awesome and i forgot just how much i liked it it's been a while since i watched it but i love the book series and if you need another reason to rewatch the films i say go for it so the first harry potter it's just a lot of fun well you know one of the things I was doing in 2022 is watching all the Harry Potter films because I've never seen them and mm -hmm. I didn't read any books. So in December, right before the new year, I watched the Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, the first one. Mm -hmm. I haven't made my way to number two yet. I enjoyed the film. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't, it's not because, not a, that, as though I stopped because I didn't enjoy the film. I just, I've been busy. So yeah, I'll get enough. to the next one. So whatever that is. So that's a good recommendation. I appreciate that. Uh, mine is uh, a TV show that your mom and I are getting back into after a lot of years away from it. And it is Survivor, the quintessential classic reality show, probably the most prestigious of all reality shows, although The Amazing Race, Race is, is pretty awesome too. But Survivor premiered in 2000 and is on now season 43. 
And uh, so there were four four episodes in, and we're really enjoying it. So, um, you know, for those who have watched Survivor or never watched Survivor, it's it's really, really a classy, classic reality show worth checking out. It's so. fantastic. I've, I've, I've been pining to get back into Survivor for the last few years, but I, I've heard that the recent seasons have been really, really good, just as good as, you know, some of the best that we had seen back in the mid 2010s or early 2010s. But uh, I got to say, Jeff Probst, the host, has the best job ever. He has the best job. I don't know. Phil, Phil from The Amazing Race has a great one, too. But, but uh, Jeff Probst is fantastic at his job. And I cannot imagine Survivor without Jeff Probst. Um, it's really good, and the production value is amazing. I'm so sure it's. I, I'm sure it's excellent at this point. I, I at this point, I think Survivor is one of those few reality shows that's really keeping some networks afloat. Was it ABC? I know ABC's. Yes. Is I know ABC's owned by Disney, but you know yes. when it comes to live TV uh, or cable television, you really gotta, you really gotta keep your uh, biggest winners close. So survivor is definitely one of those. All right. So we have less than a minute left here. So thank you for listening to another episode. We just reviewed barbarian and, uh, different opinions all around, but at the end of the day, we'll let you decide whether you want to watch it or not. I am very glad I saw it regardless of my rating. I'm very glad I saw it. Thank you for the recommendation, Noah. All right. Well, you could have fooled me, uh, with that in mind, I'm Noah. I think I did. I'm Greg. And this is Easy Talk.